Is there a murder going on in your house? That is my 18-month-old child who likes to throw tantrums when she doesn't get what she wants. So which I'm assuming she wants something crazy, she apparently. Yeah, she's man, just, that's what she does. They're going crazy. <laughs> she runs the house, man. 26 pounds, and she, she bosses me around. That's crazy. <laughs> I bet. All right. Uh, well, we are back another with Go Fanatics Wednesday. Definitely a very basketball-heavy episode today. Yes. yes. Um, I just – like, we're getting a little bit of Brewers news. Like, the Brewers signed Brian Anderson yesterday. I guess they're planning on him to be the third baseman. So, I guess that means Luis Urias is probably going to start the season at second base, which I'm okay. totally fine with. Mm-hmm. But, like, I just want it to be that time when pitchers and catchers are getting close to reporting just because that means that spring training is coming, which means that real spring is coming and we're not in this bullshit constant cold, gray, cloudy, see the sun for five hours a day, even if it's out wintertime in Wisconsin. Yeah, and we're supposed to get snow. I believe it's tonight or tomorrow night. I think it's tonight. We're supposed to get some snow. So, yeah, definitely uh, looking forward to that. Sure. So we got two Badgers games and five Bucks games to talk about today. So we're going to start with the Badgers. Yeah, we got lots of basketball today. Um, no interviews today, so we got a we got a little bit of time to gain from that. We don't Badgers interviews this week, but mm-hmm. give me your Badgers basketball power pair and underrated performer from the Indiana and Penn State games. So for power pair, I went with Connor Sejan. Um, he had a good week, uh, averaged 12 and seven. He only shot 40% from the field, but he shot 45 from May on the arc, which is really what his job is. Uh, as yep. he puts on more muscle and figures out what it means to play in the Big Ten, I know that you hear that thrown around on TV once in a while, but there mm-hmm. definitely is a way to make a living in the Big Ten. It's a little bit more physical. So um, once he figures that all out, he's going to be a phenomenal player. You can already tell. Um, <laughs> I'm putting it on. Justin said, my favorite show and favorite host of the week is back. And Jake is here, too. Feel the love, Justin. I feel the love. Um, And then I I picked Stephen Crowell. Um, I texted that to you last night that he's becoming a star for for the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, You could tell the growth. Uh, Yeah, and you you called it early in the season. I did. um, Averaging 13 points, 8.5 rebounds. He shot 45% from the field. He only went 1 of 5 from 3, but – that's really the next level to his game where he'll start getting on and dare I say the Kaminsky level of stuff because he's starting to control the post. He's starting yeah. to control the post and finish with both hands. So once once he gets that that touch from either you know mid-range or deep, then he could start being in where he could start dominating anywhere on the floor. And then my UP real quick, I did pick uh, Jordan Davis. Um, I know that he mm-hmm. didn't have fantastic mm-hmm. offensive numbers, but he – I respect that he always brings energy defensively, and he's actually a really, really good rebounder. So um, I like is. that, that he brings that to the team. So I also had Stephen Crowell and Connor Asijan. On your point on Stephen Crowell potentially getting on the Frank Kaminsky level, um, I do agree with you. His three-point shooting needs to improve. The other thing I would say if he wants to set his sights on, on Frank Kaminsky level is he's got to be able to put the ball on the floor to get yeah. from the three-point line to the post. I think that's, that's something cool. that Tyler Wall is very good at, um, and that's something that I think Frank Kaminsky had in his game was he was able to use the dribble to get from the three-point line to the post 
And you felt confident that he was able to do that. Not that if like Stephen Carl started dribbling the ball, I'd be like, please just don't dribble it off your knee or something like that. (laughs) Um, So for my underrated performer, I went with Max Klesmet. Um, He had nine points and three steals versus Indiana. Um, And then last night versus Penn state, he got elbowed in the jaw and then stayed in the game for the rest of the half. Yeah. Um, he ended up not staying in for the second half, but to stay in for the half and finish the defensive possession after getting a big elbow to the jaw, like I give Max Klesman a lot of credit for that. Um, what's up, James? So the other thing I wanted to give Stephen Crowell credit for, going back to Stephen Crowell, was um, having a big bounce back after the Indiana game. So Stephen Crowell really struggled against Indiana. He started well on Trace Jackson Davis. He got him like a really early foul and then just couldn't get Trace Jackson Davis into foul trouble. So the Badgers were playing pretty good defense as a team in the first half. They just need the offense to match. That's going to be pretty much the identity of the team is if they can get the offense to match what their defense is doing. Um, Mm -hmm. They had, unfortunately, some uncharacteristic turnovers, six turnovers in the first half. And then some unfortunately characteristic missed free throws. The Badgers were two for six on free throws in the first half. Uh, But they did hold Indiana to 21 first half points. That is their lowest scoring half this entire season for Indiana. So the Badgers have that to their credit. They just basically the second half rolled around. The Badgers got hit in the mouth and they weren't really ready for it is how I felt about it. Um, They're back to kind of being stagnant on offense. And, you know, it's, they didn't give up in the game, which is encouraging, but they just couldn't get the stops and the scoring going at the same time. Um, I do want to give uh, Carter Gilmore for making one really good play in uh, for doing some really good driving kick offense. Two driving kick passes out. The second one went to Carter Gilmore, who pump faked, drove towards the lane, and then turned back around and kick the ball, the ball out to Max Klesmet for a three. That's just a really good play and a really uh, intelligent play by Carter Gilmore. So I wanted to give him credit for that. And then, you know, just down the stretch, Connor got heating up a little bit, but they just couldn't stop Trace Jackson Davis, and that was pretty much all they wrote. So what did you see from Indiana that stood out to you? Yeah, the really, the really shitty thing about these the three-game losing streak is, you know, you can make an excuse about injuries, but – all of the players that beat us in those games, Tyler Wall could have negated all of those. Like Tyler Wall is like the Especially perfect matchup for Trace. Yeah, Trace. Yeah, Illinois for sure. We would have won that game, in my opinion. Yep. And then Indiana. I mean, who knows what would have happened? I'm not saying we would have won because they beat us by 18. They made one three pointer. So I mean, they kicked yeah. their butts. Let's just be honest. Right. But I think that some of that stuff that happened, we don't know the difference in the game if Tyler Wall plays because Tyler Wall can match up mm-hmm. with Trace Jackson Davis athletically right. and size-wise, quickness, you know. So strength. I don't know. Um, the thing that I saw was just – it just looked like there was just nothing going offensively and just no flow, no rhythm. Um, it didn't look like anybody was, was really willing to just grab it and be like, all right, get on my back. You know, like we don't have mm-hmm. the Johnny Davis this year where – when things were going the way that they were in the Indiana game, Johnny Davis would be like, all right, I guess I'm shooting 20 times in a row, you know? And I mean, that's an exaggeration, but really he would be the guy that would kind of be the spark, you know? And I feel like that's Tyler Wall this year where Tyler Wall is the spark. 
So I agree. having neither of those guys, I mean, we haven't had Johnny Davis all year. Obviously, he's in the NBA, but um, not having either of those guys really hurt us, in my opinion. But um, it's just one of those games. Indiana was actually on a three-game losing streak going into this game. So they were due for one as well. It just it is what it is. Indiana is a tough place to play, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, take away the the unpopular comments from our our guy Mike talking about how Indiana's a little bit overhyped, which I agree that they are, but Indiana is still blue blood and they're still that that place is still really tough to play, like I like I said before. I mean, even before the game, the announcers are talking about it. Um, talking about, you know, uh, the best thing I ever did as a coach. I don't forgot who it was, but he talked about the best thing he ever did as a coach was not schedule a game here because it's so loud and, and tough place to play. But, you know, this is just one of those games. I mean, we shot 32% from the field, 21%. Mm-hmm. We shot five of 24 from three. I mean, yep. we had 11 turnovers, six assists. I mean, it, throw that one away. That one, yeah. that one ain't it, you know. I'll give credit to Connor Siegen because he did have 14 points, yeah. which is pretty characteristic. But Connor Siegen also had 11 rebounds in this game. He did. So I will give Connor Siegen credit for that. And you mentioned the six assists. The Badgers made 18 field goals and only had six assists. Yeah. That number is indicative of a lot of isolation basketball. And it it's it continues into the Penn State game. And I'll give my thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> six assists on 18 field goals, in my opinion, is unacceptable. We've had games where Stephen Crowell has had seven assists by himself. Yeah. And then we get to Indiana, we have six assists as a team. Um, so when we talk about things that can improve, um, ball movement is absolutely one of them. So let's talk about last night's game. Let's talk about Penn State. What did you see from that game? Uh, first of all, let's give a shout-out to Penn State. This isn't uh, your your grandpa's Penn State basketball team. Uh, this team is improved, and they are very good. Um, really they have a, yeah, they are. And they, they – they play hard and they go into, they play with confidence. That's the one thing mm-hmm. that I think I noticed early was they play with confidence and they expect to win. I mean, I just told you before, but it's a little embarrassing that we got, we got whooped up on by Indiana. And then I look up Penn state's uh, you know, schedule and they just whooped up on Indiana before they played us. It's like, Oh wow. Okay. Well, welcome to the big 10. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm going to leave the assist to you. Uh, because, you know, I was going to talk about that too, but I, I am very confident that you have something good to say about that. But I was a little disappointed in the number again last night. Um, the thing that I do respect from the Badgers is that it seemed like they played a little bit harder, a little bit more energy. Uh, they ran they ran through cuts better. They passed the ball with a little bit more purpose. But still, they were just – they're just missing that one guy that could just go to the rim wow. and just take over a game. We have enough shooting. Like, I feel good with Hepburn and Asijin and, you know, even Clemson Davis from time to time, Clemsman at times. But, I mean, and, God, you know, I just said I just said Davis. And sometimes when, when he makes a three, dude, and it just, like, splashes in, right? But when yeah. he misses, he misses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me. But Even when he makes some, he misses sometimes because he's banked in at least two threes this year. Yeah, that's – He's got to get that on the control, but still, if if he can't do that, I wish he was able to just go to the rim and finish at the rim like his brother did. You know, mm-hmm. that's that would take this team offensively to another level, in my yeah. opinion, because Chucky tries, but I mean, right. going in against seven footers when you're six three, that's a tough way to live. I mean, I know Drew Holiday does, but 
he finishes with both hands behind the backboard. It doesn't even matter. So, I mean, Drew, Drew is a goddamn bulldog. Bro, <laughs> I'm running out of things to say. And I have something to tell you when we when we get to the, the game last night about the Bucks about Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. So, remind me. Remind me. All right. Uh, Bill said, what's up, guys? Honestly, I didn't get to watch the Badgers due to life getting in the way, so I'll have to settle for your recap. Hey, I mean, <clears throat> you don't have to settle for us, Bill. I mean, I think we do a good job. I am by. <laughs> um, and you can always, we'll always be here every Wednesday. So if you miss stuff, you can always count on us and you'll get a shorter version of it. Um, yep. When it comes to the assists, you, just, you mentioned it again. So I pulled it up. <clears throat> Almost the exact same ratio of field goals to assists. So last night, the Badgers made 23 field goals and had eight assists. Almost the exact same. You know, 18 to six. 23 to eight is almost three to one assist field goals. Um, It's ball movement. It needs to improve. So my thought process on this, on the ball movement is earlier in the season when the Badgers were moving the ball better, they were getting the ball into the post, which they have done a, a metric shit ton of, (laughs) of getting the ball in the post, which is great. But it seems to me that the the post is to the Badgers what Jordan Wara is to the Bucks, and that's just a black hole. Like when you know it's going there, it's not coming back. That's so wrong. That was so <laughs> wrong for you to say, that, bro. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Where's but the lie? But where's no the lie. lie? There's no lie. There is no lie. Okay, but that's what I that's thought. <laughs> but listen, like. When the when there's that giving go action, when there's that post entry, a lot of teams have been doing like a really quick double team on the Badgers, and when the ball goes back out, wide open threes, yeah. and that hasn't been the case as much these last two games, but it works well when they do it. So Stephen Crowell did do a fantastic job this game, getting to his left shoulder, so he can get that right hand jump hook. He did a great job of that last night, to the tune of 21 points and 11 rebounds. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin said a metric a metric ton is 2,205 pounds. Um, how much is a metric shit ton, Justin? Look that up on Google for me. I'm just curious Six, if it's the 6, same. 6,900 pounds. <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so I, I will give Stephen Crowell for that, credit for that. Tyler Wall was doing a good effort to get into the post, but I'd like to see the ball just keep moving quicker mm-hmm. instead of the, the post entry and then dribble, 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 and then a jump hook. Like it's it's predictable to a point. It's not always the easiest shot to defend, especially if you're going up against a smaller defender. But, you know, it's I'd like to see the ball moving quicker is just really what I'm getting at. Um, so for the Penn State game, the Badgers get Tyler Wall back. Mm-hmm. Connor Sejan gets into the starting lineup, and we got to see the black jerseys finally that we were supposed to get to see like three weeks ago now. Yeah. Um, so we got to see the black jerseys finally. I will say, when it comes to Connor Sejan starting, I do like Jordan Davis, what he brings to the second unit of the team. He brings obviously the defense, and I do, I do like his dirty work rebounding style of play um i appreciate 
those, those type of players, which is part of the reason why I like Carter Gilmore because he's a dirty work guy. Mm-hmm. He's not going to fill up a stat sheet, which people need to get past. When you're looking at college basketball, you have to either watch or, like Bill is doing, listen to people who will understand the nuances of guys who don't just fill up a stat sheet but still do important things in games. <clears throat> yeah, that's not weird Sorry. at all. So it's <laughs> it is important. Um, Chucky Hepburn, he I I appreciate his willingness to be aggressive. Chucky Hepburn's got to stay down on pump fakes. Chucky Hepburn went for at least two pump fakes really early in this game. Got scored on both times. It's just a it's just an experience thing as he plays more. You keep the high hand. You don't leave your feet until the offensive player does. That's 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 the rule there. Um, Wisconsin started 0 for 4 on threes until Max Klesman hit one. All five of the looks that they took that they started 1 for 5 on, all wide open. Yeah. So the Badgers have been shooting the three better this season, but got off to a rough start in this game. I think that's contributed to their, their first half deficit. I want to give Tyler Wall credit, not offensively, but defensively. Tyler Wall can get beat off the dribble by a good two steps and recover quick enough to not let his opponent shoot a jump shot closer than 15 feet. Yeah, man. he it's, He's a dog on defense. It's impressive how quickly he recovers on a dribble drive by an opponent. So I wanted to make sure I gave Tyler Wall credit for that. Um, really, it just came down to the Badgers were playing really good defense in the first half. They just needed to cut out some mental mistakes is what I was thinking with this. Um like the ball, when the ball enters the post, like it can go back out. That's mm, that's really how I felt. Um, I got to give the Badgers more credit defensively because they came out of halftime and they were flying around. The Badgers' defense out of the half was fantastic. The Badgers started the half on a ten to two run. Um, they got Penn State in foul trouble. They had three, actually, it was four guys that had three or more fouls with like eight minutes left on the clock still. So the Badgers did a really good job of getting Penn State in foul trouble. You just got to make your damn free throws. Yeah. I don't know what the deal was. Like last year, the Badgers couldn't make threes, but they made like all of their free throws. And now this year we got the reverse where the Badgers are shooting like 40% from the three-point line. And now like also 40% from the free throw line. It's, And I wish I was joking. I wish I was exaggerating, but it's, it's that bad at times. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. I actually wanna I wanna see how bad it is. All right. I while you're doing that, I want to give Greg Gard some credit. The fact that people were putting him on the hot seat after a three game losing streak compared to his entire body of work yeah, is recency bias at its finest. Like we're talking a three game losing streak. After a a hot start to the season, which was admittedly to me a little bit unexpected, I expected the Badgers to be a little closer to the middle of the pack when the season started. Um, They got some good wins in there, but to put Greg Gard on the hot seat after three games, considering his entire body of work, is a little ridiculous. (laughs) Wisconsin sports fans. (laughs) Uh, They shoot 66.7% from the free throw line. Just so you know. On the season? Yes. It seems lower. It does seem lower. I agree with you. Gross. 
it's still gross, even if it yeah. isn't. All right. So, anyways, I was giving Greg Gard credit for two plays coming out of timeouts. One was mm-hmm. a great high-low with Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell. They got Tyler Wall just outside the free-throw line. He got a high-low pass to Stephen Crowell for a layup. That was great. And then the other one was Connor Asijin getting a play drawn up for him out of a timeout, and he hit a big three. That's a big step for Connor Asijin, hitting a three in that moment, not being afraid of that moment. I want to mm-hmm. give Connor Asijin credit for that. That's a big shot for him to hit in a moment like that. And then I want to give Chucky Hepburn credit. He drew two offensive fouls in the second half. The second one was a little iffy. I'll give him that, but he was there and he took the contact. True. Um, and then he made his free throws when they counted. So I'll give you that. And then um, I just want to mention the the totals from the game. I will answer Justin's question, and then I want to pose a uh, basketball question to you. So Stephen Crowell had the 21-11. and 11. Chucky Hepburn had 14 points, three assists. Tyler Wall had 10 points and five rebounds. And Connor Asijan had 10 points and three rebounds in his first career start. The Badgers are now 19-0 and against Penn State at the Kohl Center. Yeah, I saw that last So the streak lives on. Um, we got something Badgers, going for us. Yes, the Badgers play one game between now and next Wednesday. They're at Northwestern on Saturday. I got that one down as a win. Do you? Yes. Yes. Yes, we do. Okay. So I will answer Justin's question quick, and then I will pose a question to you. Justin said, do you think Wisconsin getting fickle has anything to do with that reaction? Like are fans thinking there's a Coach K or Bobby Knight like coach waiting to come to UW basketball? I think that's a little bit of it. I would say that's only about 25% of the reactions I've seen about people wanting Greg Gard fired when it comes to that. Um, I think it's more you're looking at a three-game losing streak and then people start to get a little antsy regardless of who's injured and who's not. Um, Obviously, we dealt with literally the entire season of people wanting Joe Barry fired from the Packers, despite the Packers' defense playing really well over the last five games of the season. And it's a similar situation. And then you get to a point where now, even though the Badgers have now broken their losing streak, there will still be people who throughout the season will say, we should fire Greg Gard because they went on that three-game losing streak. And this is where, like, I would ask and hope that fans can do this is to be able to change your opinion based on new evidence. There's no shame in that. There's absolutely none. It actually it's more intelligent and I would give you more respect by changing your opinion when you are presented with new evidence, like the Badgers winning, like Greg Gard drawing up two fantastic plays out of a timeout that both resulted in points. Or maybe the fact that, you know, the last, I'll say, three years, I don't know, I don't think I'm stretching it too far. We've been picked to finish bottom third of the Big Ten each of the last three years, and he has us competing True. with the big dogs. I mean, True. there's something to say about that, too. <laughs> i say it was coach of the year in 2021. He's his coach of the year twice since coming here. Like, yeah. Come on. Well, he's guy. been here forever, but I know, I know. Since but taking like, over. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's like the head man. I, poor yeah. word choice, but. You know what I meant. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's a fair question, Justin, but I don't think it's the entire reason. Like I said, I'd say it's only about 25% of the complaints are people wanting guard fired because they think there's a fickle like hire out there. And I'm just going to say this. If there's actually Badgers fans, I think there's just a Coach K or a Bobby Knight just sitting out there. 
they need to get their head checked because those guys are household names for a freaking reason. They're legends. Yeah. Some of the best to ever do it. You don't just get those guys to come to your program. And Be happy with Greg Gard. He's a very good college basketball yeah. coach. You know what those guys have in common with guys like Jim Beheim and Bill Self and John Calipari? Well, they get really good recruits for one. Well, and having like 20 years of experience but, to put that. those resumes together. That too. <laughs> and we're talking what, like year five of Greg Gard? And people are like, three game losing streak. Fuck that guy. Like that's that's where we're at. Dude. Like like I said, that's recency bias at its finest. Where we're talking about a three game stretch during a five year coaching stint, which spans over a hundred games, it'd be about a hundred and fifty-ish games, and people will only cite getting knocked out of the March Madness tournament early and a three-game losing streak as reasons to fire him. Yeah. It's recency bias and small sample sizes. Two of our favorite things. Yeah. No sarcasm either. I love recency bias and small sample sizes. <laughs> I will say, on, on the note of the Badgers, that I do appreciate it, and I will say I have a little bit of recency bias when it comes to games like we had a one in one week with the Badgers. They won a game and they lost a game. I'm glad they lost the first one and won the second one. So at least the tone is a little bit better. If I'm that's being fair. that's fair. I'm, I'm a bad news first guy. So that's that's I guess that's why that's my I'm viewpoint. Bad, I, I do the bad news dues first as well. Yeah. Cause then you can be happy afterwards. Right. Then you get the good news second. You got something kind of redeeming a little bit. Okay. So here's my hypothetical question. The Badgers were up three on Penn State with it was seven seconds and change oh. left on the clock. I want to pose a question to you, and I guess it came out that Greg Gard did want to foul in this situation to put Penn State on the free throw line with potentially two free throws to go and down three points. Are you a, a proponent of fouling in that situation when you're up three to give your opponent two free throws? All right, so you want me to make the argument for both? I I have one argument. I want to know you specifically. If you were coaching a team that was up by three, I, what would I you like do? playing it out. I like playing it out personally. <laughs> I don't want to break up the rhythm that we – you know, we just talked about rhythm. We talked about um, <clears throat> team teams, you know, playing the way that they're supposed to play, and the Badgers have a specific way that they like to play. And I would not break that up and foul. Now, with the Badgers, I will say this. We recruit smart kids. And free throws have been a problem, but you had Connor on the on the floor, and you have a guy Chucky Hepburn that goes to the free throw line and hits clutch free throws on a consistent basis. So mm. I can understand yeah. seeing that that mindset of trying to be like, okay, let's foul. Uh, hopefully they miss one. If they make both, okay, we're giving the ball to Chucky or we're giving the ball to Connor. Like I understand that mindset, but for me personally, I like playing it out. I feel like I feel like the other team either rushes a shot. Or if they come out of a timeout, you can call a timeout and set up your defense to see how they lined up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I mean, I like that better instead yeah. of fouling because then you're get you're basically just giving them points, and I don't want to do that. Right. So Bill said, unfortunately, instant gratification comes with the college coaching territory. Um, Bill, you could just take out college coaching and just say instant gratification comes with the territory. True. But that's that's the world we live in. Unfortunately, is that it's instant gratification all the time and it's win now, win later, win in the middle and win everywhere. No adversity at all needs to happen instantly, yeah. which 
I'll give this as a disclaimer now, and I'm sure I'll say this again when we get towards our primer season. But if the Badgers go, say, eight and five next year, and I listen to people say, man, maybe Luke Fickle was a mistake, I'm going to lose my shit. Have some damn patience. I'm going to say this again when we get to a specific topic with the Bucks. Just have half an ounce of patience. You don't even need a metric shit ton of patience. You just need a half an ounce of patience <laughs> when it comes to some of these things right. and dealing with adversity. So when it comes to the last second foul situation or free throw or play out, in this, in this example, we're dealing with about seven seconds on the clock. Um, Penn State did take kind of a quick shot because it seemed like they were trying to avoid the Badgers getting a foul. Let's say the Badgers get a foul with two and a half seconds left on the clock. Mm-hmm. So you know Penn State's not going to, even if they make both free throws, they're not going to have a chance to have the Badgers inbound, get a foul, and then whatever happens after that situation, be able to get a good shot at another possession. So when it comes to this, I say play it out because then you're all matched up on defense. You get in a situation where Penn State, say, makes the first free throw, and now you're up by two with two and a half seconds left, and now Penn State's going to try to miss the second one. If they miss the second one and you're discombobulated on defense trying to find everybody to match up, you might get an open three out of that. Penn State might hit a three to win. True. I think you are in a better position to contest a three-point shot that would tie the game than you are to catch a missed free throw and kickout attempt that would then win Penn State the game. It's a good point, actually. It's a good point. I'm uh, smarter than I look. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ooh. Our Badger guy, Mike, said against this team specifically, I would have followed. Penn State was a good three-point shooting team coming in. We also had the size on them, so I think it could be worth taking the chance in that situation. I don't know. I think you're... I don't like it. I don't... I sorry, Mike. Almost, I don't like it. <laughs> I think that almost contradicts yourself, Mike, when you say that you would have followed because Penn State's a good three-point shooting team. I think... I mean, I get it, but it puts you in a dangerous position. That's just my opinion. But, um, and you, you know, like you said, we had the size, so I think it's a better to try to contest a potentially game tying three than to try to like run out of a, a free throw stance to try to contest one, is my opinion. It's fair. All right. Anything else you want to say about the Badgers? No, they're going to start ramping up here pretty soon, getting some good games. But uh, mm-hmm. the one game a week thing is kind of tough to get super excited about, if I'm being honest. I know. I know. We it's have like, five Bucks games to talk about. I know. So in between, I'm going to put lit. Bernard's question up here. Bernard asks us a lot of Aaron Rodgers-related questions. He asked, and this stems from his comments on the Pat McAfee show yesterday, do you think Rodgers only cares about winning MVPs? And I saw, You go first, and then I have an answer. I have I saw Robert Gronkowski made comments today saying that he only cares about MVPs. That's not what he said. The fact that people can literally listen to his words and still take them out of context baffles me. Absolutely baffles me. Where you listen to him say, I think I can win an MVP 
and take that to mean I only care about MVPs. Like, I don't understand how point A connects to point B in that situation. Like, I, I don't understand how that train of thought connects that to that. And that's what people it, want it to mean, man. Exactly. Like, spinning that context when you literally can hear what he says, and that's literally not what he says. He didn't say, I only care about winning another MVP. He said, I think I can win another MVP. There's a difference. There is. So, when it comes to this, um, one of the things that I am a very strong advocate for is wins on a football team should not count as a quarterback stat. Like wins should not be a track stat for quarterbacks because it's a team game. And I will mm-hmm. say the same thing for Super Bowls. So people are like, oh, Roger said he can win another MVP, but he didn't say that he could win another Super Bowl with this team. He's not the only guy on the team. He's not the only one it takes to win a Super Bowl. Yep. So he's talking about himself. He's He was asked about his own performance. Nobody asked him. A.J. Hawk didn't ask him, do you think the Packers can win the Super Bowl in 2023 if you're the quarterback? It's not what they asked him. What are your thoughts? So, here we go. For one, the first thought I thought of when people started ripping Rodgers apart was like, here we fucking go again. Mm-hmm. Rodgers is betting on himself. Literally betting on himself. About the level of play that he expects of himself and what he thinks he can achieve. And then if Tom Brady would say something similar to this, maybe not the exact same words because I'm the same person, but if he says something close to this, like, oh, yeah, I think I still play at a really high level, people are like, oh, my God, that's so inspiring. Tom Brady's so inspiring. I, I wish we I had that when I'm 45. Team. It's like, shut up, first of all. Second of all, thank you. I knew you were going to I knew you were going to say this because this is what I thought, too. He can only control how he plays, right? Yep. To to a, to a certain extent, you know, when you break it up, he controls how the receivers play and the running backs and all that other shit, right? Right. But they also need to hold themselves accountable for what they want. He can't control how yep. good the defense is. He can't control injuries. He can't control the special teams. He can't control the coaches. Drops. He can't control any of that. So when he yep. talks about, I think I could still play at an MVP level, yep. he's just showing confidence in himself and betting on yep. himself. And I do not see that as a negative at all. He's talking about one out of 53. Exactly. He's like, I could still be an MVP. You know what that tells me? He still thinks that he's one of the best players in the NFL football league. Exactly. So you know what else that tells me? Sign me the fuck up. If we have to get rid of Jordan Love, we have to get rid of Jordan Love. I'm sorry. It is what it is. And people are going to complain and be like, oh, that was a wasted draft pick. Like there hasn't been wasted first round picks in your life before. We literally drafted Justin Harrell. Does anybody remember who the hell that is? I, Ahmad I Carroll, went anybody. through this earlier in the Packers season. I literally went through people in Jordan Love's draft class who are literally not even in the league anymore. I know. it's, <sighs> And you get you get to guys like, like Josh Rosen, for example, who can barely stay on practice squads. I know. He right? was a 10th overall pick. There's, and the thing is, is if the Packers traded him, they'd still get something for him. They would. Personally, I'd still like to have Rodgers in 23 and Love be the guy in 2024 
and then see where you're at after that. That's still personally the way I would like to go. In a perfect um, world, I would like that too. But to be honest with you, it's gotten to the point where it's 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 coming to the peak. It's going to be one Rodgers or Love. It's it's one or the other. And you know that's shitty, but that's kind of the way that life goes. And yeah. sometimes, you know, in life, you're you're forced with tough decisions that you're going to have to make. Yeah. And these guys, they manage billion dollar, billion dollar teams, and this is mm-hmm. the decisions that they are they are, you know, paid to make. And it's just ridiculous that people that work a nine to five and like no disrespect to anybody that work nine to five as well, but these people think that they know more than the GM. Like that is ridiculous. This guy literally eats, sleeps, shits, and re-eats football for a freaking living, dude. Like, come on, man. You're you you do not know more than them. And yes, Bernard Rogers can take his time. I would expect the decision probably somewhere in February. Um, that's how I went last year. So that's kind of where I would be at with that. Um, and Bill said, yep, it's not like we've, we haven't wasted first round picks before. Literally every single team in the NFL has wasted first round picks. And I still don't even think that Jordan Love is a waste of a first round pick. And I still don't even blame, blame Gutekunst for making the pick. We went from a situation where we drafted Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback, before we needed one when we had Brett Favre. I don't blame Gutekunst for a second for trying to replicate that formula. Me either. It re- it obviously, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Resulted in a Super Bowl. Like, the, the Packers won one. Rodgers won four MVPs. We got to watch Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, for a long time. That's worth it, in my opinion. That's worth drafting a quarterback before you needed one. <laughs> Dude. Bottom line. He literally said, I own you to an entire city. Like, <laughs> it's, it's worth it just for that. <laughs> Come on. Uh, yeah, your dad said the media ruins a lot of this crap. Um, it's I hate it, and it's the nature of media these days is whatever it does to get your eyes on it. I really I try to do it, and I know Jake does too, and I know Simon and Brian do when we do these shows, and Mike when he's on the show, that that's not our aim. We know we could grow faster if we said controversial shit. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, that's a waste of our viewers' time and our potential audience's time. By putting clickbaity shit out there, that's a waste of people's time, in my opinion. And even at the very base root of it, it's at best dishonest. That's how I feel about clickbait. So, um... Yeah, eyes on themselves talking stupid, that's for sure. All right, is there anything else you want to say on the subject? No. I want to talk about good stuff now because I'm getting pissed off. Yeah. All right. I hate the offseason. Fucking A. All right. I understand. Like, I'm not – okay, one more thing real quick. Go ahead. I'm not saying that Rodgers doesn't bring this on himself because some comments – he kind of leaves a little to wonder, and right. I think he does that on purpose, oh, yeah. which is where people people come up with the rumors that Rogers likes when people talk about him. Oh well, you know what? To be honest, I like when people talk about me too, <laughs> in a good way. You know what I'm saying? It feels good, right? But yeah. at the same time, I mean, Schefter literally proved it that there's fake news out there. <laughs> he literally showed the entire world that there's fake news out there, and people. Yep. Just- Click on this shit and believe the first thing they read. Isn't that uh, ridiculous? 
that's just ridiculous to me. But outside of the draft, man, I mean, the free agency is a little exciting, not for us really, because we don't really have money for that. But we're gonna be um, more focused on retention. But yeah, yeah. I mean, outside of the draft, the off season, ugh, just not for me. Justin said it's because they need something to talk about 24-7 when we all know he's probably weeks away from a decision. Yep, that's true. You put the name Aaron Rodgers on something, and then bing, bang, boom, you got people clicking. Oh, Aaron Rodgers, what are they saying about him? Yeah. And it's different. Like, like yes, Jake and I are talking about him right now, but, like, it's different because somebody asked us about it. You know, we weren't going to talk about Aaron Rodgers today because Jake and I are just going to be patient and wait until he makes his decision. We can speculate, sure. There's a but... life outside of football, so exactly, and you know we can speculate, but again, I think that's really just a waste of people's time. Like we don't know what he's gonna do. What's the point in wasting twenty minutes to talk about it? What do you think he's gonna do? Well, this is what I think he's gonna do. He said these words. Do you think they mean this? Like that's there's way more things we can be talking about. Um, Bill said, until I hear Jordan Love say he wants out, I think we keep him. I think the Packers had it budgeted for Rodgers, no matter what he decides. You know, I, you know, I, you know, it is what it is, I guess, with Jordan Love. And, you know, I agree. We just have to be patient and wait. And until he says he wants out, um, you know, there's really no truth to it until it's actually said. Um, Pat said, everyone says Rodgers take less. I don't believe that. Goody put themselves in this financial position and mess. I don't know about him taking less. Like, I think a restructure is probably in the cards when it comes to it. Um, Like, I did this research before coming into this NFL season about, like, the way that the NFL salary cap is going to, like, boom and then explode in the next four years. Um, Mm -hmm. The NFL salary cap by 2027 could reach $300 million. We're at 228 right now. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of TV money. That was even before YouTube bought NFL Sunday Ticket. I know, which is massive. Yeah, that's going to be just like, I can't even imagine how many metric shit tons of cash that that's going to put into the NFL. (sighs) Too many to think of right now, I'll tell you that. Exactly. Okay, you ready to go back to basketball? Yes, I'm ready to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and Drew Holiday. Yeah. yeah. We're talk about him a lot today. <laughs> Goat Holiday. So, all right, give me your power pair. It's Drew and who? Drew and uh, Brooke Lopez. Um, Drew Holiday. Holy shit, man. Um, mm-hmm. So, I'm just going to say right now, I was actually texting my dad last night. Um Drew's averages, real quick, were 27, 4.6 rebounds, 8.8 assists. He shot 56% from the field and 46% from three-point line. He was hooping. So Let me toss I, out 80% from the free-throw line, too. Yeah, dude, he's been phenomenal from the free-throw line. I was, I was like, I wish, he, I wish he'd be like a mid-80s guy because then he'd be like, you know, complete. You know what I'm saying? Play the defense, play the yeah. offense. He could shoot from anywhere. Literally anywhere. Literally behind the backboard. doesn't matter. I text my dad. I said, who is the best point guard you've seen play for the Milwaukee Bucks? His answer kind of surprised me, to be honest with you. I want to hear your answer. What, 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 would, you, what would your answer be? I'd probably say Oscar Robertson. No, no that you've see seen. That you've seen. That I've that you got seen. To see play. Because he said that, too. He said, obviously, Oscar, but I didn't get to see him. Yeah. 
So I started watching the Bucks like the late nineties. I don't really think that there's a better answer than Drew Holiday for me in the last twenty five years. See, so when my dad, my dad said Sam Cassell, and I was uh, he like, crossed my mind. I'll admit he crossed my mind. I was like, I, you know what? I'll take that as an answer. I didn't. I, if I would have been my age now and seen Sam Cassell, I would have appreciated him a lot more. You know, right. the maturity level that I have watching sports now, but right. You know, right now I get to see Ooh, Drew Holiday. So I just got an idea. Oh, what you got? What you got? We should at some point like get together and like live stream us like watching the 2001 playoffs. Oh, oh snap! That is a good idea. I'm writing it down. I might fall in love with Ray Allen. That might be bad. I am definitely already in love with Ray Allen. So, I mean, I like Ray Allen, but like I'm not in love with him. I think I like Michael Red more than I like Ray Allen. If I'm being oh, honest. I have a Michael Red reference for you. <laughs> oh, I when love talk, Michael. When Red. I get to my power pair, I have a Michael Red reference for you. Michael Red, still my boy. Um, so continuing with the power pair, I also have Brooke Lopez. Um, both of these guys should be all stars, or at least one of them. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, Drew, if Drew Holiday doesn't make it, I'm gonna be a little upset. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Like, I'll be a little. I'll be like, yeah, that seems wrong. Uh, but Brooke averaged 15 points, five rebounds, and assists. Uh, he shot 52% from the field and 54% from behind the arc this week. Yeah. And, uh, God, what game was it? There were so many damn games. I don't remember. Was it last I night, know. I believe? I think it was last night where he he made the, the second three and he was going like this. And then you saw Giannis on the bench doing it. I was like, oh, that's funny as hell. <laughs> I like that they're all – they all, like – I love this team so much because they're all so close. Like you know they're you know they're like best friends and brothers, like off yeah. the court. Like Giannis is doing Brooks, like uh Drew made a three and he did Wes Matthews, like he does yeah. that all the time. I mean, they're just using each other's celebrations. Like these guys are like really like friends, and that's what I yeah. love about it. Um, real quick, my UP was Javon Carter. He started the week on fire, he had 13, 18, 10, and then he had a one-point game against the Pacers, and he had zero last night. But he's still playing hard on defense. He's still competing on defense. And I res- I respect him coming to work and being a professional, even if he loses minutes. He's a guy whose effort level is going to be the same regardless of the amount of a role he's expected to take on and mm-hmm. his role changes from game to game. I agree. So I, I do like the Javon Carter pick. So for me, I also had Drew Holiday. Um. He set his season high in points on Monday and then literally broke it the day after. So he had 35 points on Monday was his season high. Then he scored 37 on Tuesday and reset it. Mm-hmm. Um, had three double-doubles this week. He did. And his back-to-back 35-point or more points were the most by – or I should, sorry, I should say. He's the first Bucks guard to do that, back-to-back 35-point games. Since Michael Red in 2006. Oh, God, I'm in love. I'm in love. <laughs> Michael, Re- Michael Red had such an awkward jump shot, but that shit went in. It was so butter. Dude, I should look at it side by side. I wonder how close Michael Red and AJ Green's jump shots are. Hmm. Like, AJ Green doesn't go as far behind his head, but, like, the release point is almost the same, I bet. It's, it's pretty close, actually. No, I'm, I might, I'm I might to, have to look at that. I'm writing that down too. I could see Michael Red in my head, like 
right now. Like I, I know what it looks I'm like. I'm picturing him shooting a corner three right now. <laughs> I was I was more like right wing for some reason. I don't know. That camera angle, you could see his arm. And his and his baggy red and green jersey. <laughs> I ha- I have that same jersey. I can picture it. All right. So my other one, I put Grayson Allen in my power pair. Yes. Sir. Um I think I'm gonna bring this up when we get to this specific game but his drive and kick action during all five of these games was crucial to the bucks success on offense mm-hmm. um whether it be him scoring or passing but on the week he was 21 of 39 from the field that's just under 54 percent 10 of 18 on threes that's almost 56 percent mm. also averaged three assists and almost four rebounds to go with 15 points on the week. So I went with Grayson Allen in my power pair. Dude, he had a crazy finish. Uh, for us with Pat Connaughton. Yes, dude. And he had a good one on Monday on Miles Turner, but he still got it to go in. Mm-hmm. Um, He's thinking of Sean Josh Marion, said ugly shots. I think of that guy played for fun. Uh, Sean Marion, still- another guy whose jersey yeah. you had. I still have it. Yes, sir. <laughs> Yeah, you can tell Jake and I have been friends for a while. I know what yeah. basketball jerseys he has. <laughs> um, so, so, Pat Connaughton averaged 10.2 points, seven rebounds, and a steal. He had three straight games of eight rebounds. Mm. That's that's a guy who's 6'4", but is very athletic. To go grab eight rebounds, three straight games, uh, I wanted to give Pat Connaughton some credit for that. So. Let's go all the way back to last Wednesday, game one of five, Bucks and Hawks. What stood out to you from that game? Well, the thing that I'm thinking about when I think about this game, because it happened so long ago, is all the people overreacting to Giannis not getting 10 points. Because he had the 18 rebounds, he had the 10 assists, and everybody's like, oh, what's wrong with Giannis? He only had seven points. It's like, did you even? He took nine shots. Yeah, like, tell me you didn't watch the game without telling me you didn't watch the game, right? Yeah. I mean, so what's the deal with Giannis? Why was he missing games? Well, uh, I I mean, I think it's just routine rest, in my opinion. knee soreness, yep. He technically, you know, on the injury report, he has knee soreness. But I think it's just scheduled days off, in my opinion. Yep. If I'm going to be real honest with you. Um, the Bucks got a couple wins without him, so – no, I, I knew what you meant, buddy. I read it as he. Um, so back to this game here. I mean, Brooke Lopez, four or six from three. I mean, he had 20 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, Drew Holiday had 27, four and five. Uh, off the bench, Javon Carter and Bobby Portis with 13. Bobby Portis, another double-double. The thing about this Bucks team and, and the thing that we talk about all the time is that they have so many ways to beat you. We don't know who's going to step up, who's going to hit all the threes, who's going to be the guy that's getting all the rebounds. And – I brought that up for one specific reason because Giannis grabbed one of the manliest rebounds I've ever seen in my entire life. Like John Collins talks so much shit for a guy who is like so irrelevant. It just makes no sense to me, man. And, he, and he's trying to push with Giannis and Giannis is just like, all right, little dude, give me that shit. Like I was like, whole, like, Oh my God, dude. Like he, he, and, he manhandled him. I'm still seeing that in my head. And John Collins was all up on him, man. But I was just like, whole, I still see that rebound. 
Like when I think about this game, I think about a, a rebound. Isn't that ridiculous? I mean, hey, that stuff's important. It, it doesn't show up in the stat sheet as like the manliest rebound there ever was. Okay. But that's why you watch our show. So you get you get that kind of nuanced stuff. Bro, that w- there was at least six people in the lane, and you saw one hand rise above everybody else's. And John Collins can jump, man. He can jump with everybody. Oh, yeah, he's elite. athletic, yeah. And he, he's he's not small by any measure, but there's levels of this shit, young blood. And <laughs> you you are not on Giannis's level when it no. comes. But if Giannis wants the damn ball, he's going to get the ball. Yeah. And he got that ball, and I, dare I say that that rebound was the one that won us, that kind of finished the game off and, and won that game. If, sure. if my memory serves me correct, did he kick that out for a three? To the I corner? don't remember. I would have to go back and check, but I believe that yeah. he, he kicked that out to the corner and it was a big-time three-pointer. Hey, Isaac, don't get ahead of my notes, okay? I'm not talking about that for a couple games yet because we have five to talk about. But, yeah, that's all I have on this Hawks game is – I'm still in my head seeing that rebound. I'm just thinking because John Collins, I feel like, is one of those guys that like gets up for opponents and like he sees Giannis and he sees the Bucks and he's just like, oh, I got to play good this game. And for, uh, for Giannis to just baby him like that, it's just like, thank you for shutting him up for a few days. <laughs> so for me, Pat Connaughton started this game two for two from the three point line. The Bucks were up 11 to zero in like the blink of an eye. Yeah. Um, Drew started two for two from the three-point line. Marjan Bochamp started two for three from the three-point line. The Bucks were nine of 14 on threes in the first quarter. Six different players hit a three. Mm. Um, the Bucks were 12 for 24 on threes in the first half. The first half, the Bucks only turned the ball over twice. I cannot express to you how happy that made my soul that the Bucks only turned the ball over twice and a half. Oh my God. That made me so happy. That's something you can attest to that I have been on for two years. This is now our third Bucks season that we're covering mm-hmm. that every Wednesday I'm talking about the Bucks need to turn the ball over less. Yeah, it's getting a little redundant. <laughs> I believe you. I hear it too, but I still am going to keep bringing it up. Um, I do want to give Marjan Bochamp, you know, this is obviously a little bit of bias. Like I'll admit Marjan Bochamp has gotten knocked down twice, at least in this game on corner threes and did not get a foul call on either one of them. It's a little annoying. I will say that. Um, the Hawks went on a 15 to two run in the third quarter. Bobby Portis answered that with a three pointer. The Bucks got to a point where like the Badgers, they were able to get some scores, but they weren't able to get stops. Um, yeah. the Hawks won the third quarter by 14 points. The Bucks looked kind of tired. They just needed to get the momentum back. Um, and at one point in the fourth quarter, the Hawks cut the lead to four. Javon Carter hit a big three. So you mentioned Javon Carter as your underrated performer. This is definitely one of those games that earned him that title. Um, Isaac Trey Young didn't play in this game. He had a non-COVID illness. Um, it's probably easier to get sick when you're just dropping a Tootsie Pop on the floor. So. Um, that's, no, he that's was what... out with fucking horrible haircut, dude. Seriously, <laughs> at this point, just fucking shave it off. You look like an idiot. Right? Yeah, hey, Jesus Christ, guy. Um, he probably complained to the ref about the haircut. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Nine minutes and 40 seconds left. It's a two-point game. Drew gets a driving kick to who else? Javon Carter for another three. Mm -hmm. Game gets down to a one-point game. Drew drives baseline, and the same shit that happened the previous Wednesday against Toronto, this is three Wednesdays in a row where there should have been a foul call towards the end of the game where a guy got pushed and another no call. Like, Drew gets bumped out of bounds, and there's no foul call. Like, when you get bumped out of bounds, that's a foul. That's a blocking foul or a push, whatever you want to call it. That's ugh, it's a foul. And to push Drew Holiday, like, this dude literally bullies centers. Like, to push Drew Holiday, you have to push Drew Holiday. You know <sighs> what I mean? Annoyed me. But the Bucks missed two threes in that situation, and Pat Connaughton flies in and gets a tip it. That's what he that's, does. That's one of the things that earns Pat Connaughton the title of underrated performer for the week. True. Bucks missed two two threes, and Pat Connaughton gets a tip in to still get the Bucks some second chance points. After that, you get down to the last six minutes. The Bucks did start defending the three point line a little bit better. Um, Atlanta still tied the game with four minutes to go. Um, Hawks actually took the lead with three minutes left, mm-hmm. and then um, Brooke Lopez hit a three. Giannis got that offensive rebound, and yes, I do have it in my notes. He did kick it out for a three. Who else but Javon Carter? Oh, that's why I remember it so much. I knew he kicked yeah. it out. I, I remember that. So that was part of a 10-0 run in a minute and a half after Atlanta took a two-point lead. Bucks were just like, yeah, nope. And then Drew Holiday got to his sweet spot. <laughs> that's slightly behind the backboard baseline for uh, – for the, the closing shot. Um, that was Giannis's lowest point total since January 28th of 2016. Yep. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. That's crazy, man. That is fucking nuts. But he grabbed 18 rebounds and and 10 assists. So this this is literally one of those games, dude. Where we could show them Giannis made a massive impact on this game and he didn't score 10 points. Yep. Um, Isaac, you missed, you weren't here for it, but uh, Jake Hedgevon Carter has his underrated performer for the week for the Bucks. Um, so Drew Holiday picked up the offense. Giannis didn't have a ton of scoring. Drew Holiday, 27 points, five assists, and four rebounds. Brooke Lopez had 20 points, 12 rebounds, and two blocks. He was 8 of 13 from the field and 4 of 6 from the three-point line. Brooke Lopez was definitely big in this game. Um, Bobby Portis at a 13 and 10, 6 for 11 from the field. Um, 
the the unsung hero of this game was Javon Carter. He had 13 points. He was four for seven on threes, mm-hmm. had two steals and a block. Bucks only allowed seven second chance points, 16 points off turnovers, missed five free throws, 28 fundamental failure points. Definitely played a part in the win. So before so, we move on, before we move on, we have declared that Chris Middleton is a Celtics killer. Can we declare that Brooke Lopez is a Hawks killer? He plays good yes. against the Hawks. Yes. I mean, remember back to the Eastern Conference Finals? The Eastern years Conference ago? Finals is exactly what I thought of. He started going crazy. I mean, he, let me he look. I'm going to go back. I'm going to look. He's a, he is a, a Atlanta Hawks killer, man. Um, Bucks, Hawks, it's Pelicans, Rockets, Mavericks, Kings, mm-hmm. Knicks, Lakers. Mm-hmm. We played it. We played them a couple times in the beginning of the year. Yeah, we played them like two Mondays in a row, and then like once really early in the season. Yeah. Yeah, 76ers, Trailblazers, Thunder. Do you guys think we don't take notes, man? This is literally what it's like. You have to like page through, like, okay, we played this, yeah. team, this team. I used to put dates on all my shit, but now I stopped doing that. I'm getting lazy. I do that rarely. Um, <laughs> I, just I had Brooke really in my power pair when we talked about the Hawks. Um, Probably because you killed them, dude. I'm telling Brooke you. Brooke Lopez, crazy hot out of the gates. Yeah, that one of the games he started, he started eight for eight, and he had 19 points in the first half. The Hawks, bro. He kills yep. the Hawks. <laughs> yeah, he finished that game with 21 points and six rebounds. Let's see. I'm going to go back to the first Hawks game. Oh, that's the Bucks primer. That was the first Hawks game. That was the game I was at. That game was really fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, like Jake said, if you think we don't take notes, here I am just paging through a thousand pages of them. That's what it's like, bro. Uh, Bobby Portis had a double-double that game. Where did my clip go? Yeah, that was that was the rough one. That was the one that they lost. That was their first loss of the season. I remember that. That freaking – is it Alex Griffin? Alex Griffin, kid off the bench. He started going f- fucking nuts, bro. Bucks Thunder. 17 and 6 average against the Hawks. That 17 is pretty big compared to a season average. I won't lie. I don't know. I'm lost in my own notes here. Hopefully, we're, we're both. I must full not have total written down. <laughs> well, James, Valentine's Day is a big day for me and Tyler. Not only because we have a uh, long, long. It's a really, really weird way to start a sentence, bud. But uh, well, not for me and you. I don't, I don't, I don't love you like that. But <laughs> the Bucks play the Celtics, and the Badgers play Michigan on that day. That's a really God. Big I just want to smack game. the fuck out of Michigan. I know there's such just for Hunter game. Dickinson being a dickhead on the internet. <laughs> it's if you, for no other reason, like. Dude, and his his coach is a thug, bro. Like, I'm not even kidding. He's out here just bitch slapping people. Yeah. <laughs> like, who the hell are you, man? I not that I'm gonna force myself to do it, but Iowa Michigan games got to be interesting to watch just because of the coach. Each coach has an opportunity to go <laughs> right? absolutely berserk. Yeah, just stare downs and whatever and whatever. <laughs> and like Fran McCaffrey is like the least intimidating guy of like all right. Time. <laughs> like, like, oh no. 
I hope somebody's grandfather doesn't stare at me to death. <laughs> For real, bro. What the fuck? And then he like he like sticks his lips out too. It's like he's a bra. Like, dude, you look like you look like a toddler having a temper tantrum. Settle down. Speaking of toddlers, like, dude, literally looks like he's about to crap his own pants. <laughs> and he like stands still and stares at you like he's actually doing it. That's true. Yeah, I know Isaac. I know your kid's a little young for this. Cody knows that. Uh, with with his his son being of age, when when your kid starts walking around like in in his diapers, and he he has to shit, he's literally is gonna stare at you, make deep eye contact, and his face is just gonna get red because he's just letting one out, man. <laughs> you just let it happen. You just let it happen. And there you have Fran McCaffrey's coaching style. Yes, that's what it is. All right. So let's go to the two Bucks and Heat games, the low point of the week. Um, yep. Let's talk about the first one first. Uh, I want to start with this. Like, the NBA scheduling is so fucked. The fact that they scheduled this game on Thursday and not Friday, like, that itself, like, I'm not using it as an excuse for a reason that the Bucks lost this game, but I am annoyed that they go from Wednesday – um in atlanta to friday in miami or to thursday in miami when they're playing in miami again on saturday why would you make the back-to-back the first game on the travel day instead of just having them play back-to-back days in the same city yeah not like miami had a game on friday it's not like you're scheduling the game a day ahead so you can get it on prime time like more people are going to watch on friday than thursday like what sense does that make to have the Bucks play when they're going to be getting into a hotel at like two o'clock in the morning and then have them play that day instead of giving them the rest day and then having them play back-to-back games in the same city? Right. I mean, Absolutely. We, have to, we have to play the back-to-back anyway. So yeah, I will say it was good to see Drew Holiday play the back-to-back. Yes. Um, he didn't play the previous back-to-back. Um, Javon Carter, this game just kind of cemented that he's getting his groove back. Um, AJ Green was hitting shots early. AJ Green was a a contender for my underrated performer. I'm really liking what I'm seeing from AJ Green. In my opinion, he deserves playing time over Jordan Wara at this point. Um, which going back, I forgot to answer Bill's question. Bill asked if the way the Bucks role players are playing, if we think they'll be active at the deadline. I think they will strictly because John Horst always is. Mm-hmm. He's not going to leave his phone on the hook if somebody's calling to make an offer to him or asking if he's interested in something. And and saying the opposite way, like he's not going to be not calling on players. So I think just because of who John Horst is, the Bucks will be active. Um, I want to – I just want to take a second and appreciate healthy Brooke Lopez. This time last year, we were dealing with Brooke Lopez having back surgery. Maybe we're going to have him back in March. Hopefully, he'll be back before the playoffs. Yeah. You know, Bobby Portis was great in the Bucks starting lineup last year, but I'm I'm appreciative of having a healthy Brooke Lopez despite him struggling in this game. I agree. So, really what stood out to me for this game was giving credit to Miami. Like, I know it's – it's not always the funnest thing to do to give credit to your opponents, but it's necessary. And in my opinion, it makes you um, a little more trustworthy in your opinion if you're willing to give credit to your opponents when they do things well. 
Miami was making contested shots in this game. That's not always the easiest thing to do. That's obviously why you can test shots. I'm a proponent of good offense beating good defense every time. And for Miami making contested shots, that definitely contributed to them winning this game. Um, the Bucks lost this game, but they did still play good defense. And they didn't give Miami anything easy. So I give credit to Miami for hitting the shots they needed to hit to make to win the game. Um, so he did – Jordan Wara, I brought up Jordan Wara and A.J. Green. Jordan Wara did score one more point than A.J. Green in this game, but it took him eight more minutes to do so. So A.J. Green, in my opinion, is a little more efficient. Um, they're both <laughs> – so they were both 50% from the field and from the three-point line in this game. But these are the season numbers between Jordan Wara and A.J. Green. Jordan Wara, 38% from the field, 38% from the three-point line. That first number is ugly. That second number, solid. A.J. Mm-hmm. Green on the season, 48% from the field, 43% from the three-point line. That's better. <laughs> Give me a little more AJ Green. That's that's so where I'm at. I'm just gonna say, uh, we were talking last night during the game. AJ Green made a couple passes last night where I was just like, oh, okay, this guy's got a basketball brain. Um, he had the one where he got the ball kicked <laughs> to him from from Ingles, and immediately, like even before the defender even started moving, he touch passes it. So now the defender is out of the rotation, yep. and Ingles gets a wide open shot. And I looked at that and I was like, oh, okay. This guy's playing with the pace. You know, he understands passing and moving the ball. I mean, that's all things that you love, right? Especially from a young guy. Yes. So my last takeaway from the Bucks and the Heat game, I think this game was a little too big for Marjan. And this is why I brought up the Christmas Day game. And I was okay with him not playing as much just because I don't think he's quite ready for games of this magnitude yet. Miami is one of those teams that is very well coached. It does not matter who's playing, who's not. Like, Miami is going to come out, and they're going to be physical as hell. Hell yeah, they are. So, I, you know, I think this game was a little too big for Marjan early in his career. Um, so, what did you see from the the first of the two Miami games? So, the thing that I noticed, if I'm going to some credit to the Bucks. First of all, they shot the ball extremely well. They made 22 of 57 from behind the arc. That is phenomenal, making that many three-pointers. I mean, that's not like a great percentage, but making 22 threes, I mean, yep. that's pretty damn good. Um, we had five guys scoring double figures, so that's a good sign. You already mentioned Nora, uh, Green, Carter also at 18, uh, Bobby Portis with 12, and Drew Holiday, obviously. You mentioned him. He had 24, 6, and 11 in this game. So, yep. um at the end of the day, this was just one of those games um, where this felt like the reverse role for me uh, when I was thinking about this game. Do you remember when we played the, uh, the Warriors? Um, and we were talking the entire time. We're like, if the Warriors were getting threes, they would not be in this game. That's how I felt about the Bucks in this game against the Heat. If we weren't making as many threes, I mean – we got killed on the board, dude. I know we almost we were almost even on assists, and we didn't turn the ball over that much, which, my God, we were fantastic on turnovers this week. Like, thank God. But we got killed on the boards. We got yeah. 39 to 61. We got our ass whooped. They also yeah. whooped our ass in the paint, 58 to 18. That was old-fashioned ass whooping. If we didn't make 22 threes, we would have got killed. But 
credit to the Bucks for moving the ball enough and having young guys step up and make some big time shots. No, absolutely nothing wrong with a game in January to gain confidence for young guys. Absolutely sure. nothing wrong no. with that. That is that is exactly what I expect in January. To be completely honest with you, yeah. in today's NBA, we don't give a shit about record in the regular season. We really don't. You know what the NBA is now? Tooling up, making sure your guys are healthy as they possibly can be by playoff time, and making sure that all your big dogs are ready to go and they're and you're ready for a title run. That's exactly what it I is. Would. Also toss in lineup experimentation as well. I could, yep, that's a good argument because Bud is fantastic at that. Absolutely, and he uses the regular season for that all the time. Uh huh, hundred percent. Um, five missed free throws, ten points off turnovers for Miami. Twenty-two second chance points is a big deal. Um, thirty-seven fundamental failure points in the first Miami matchup. That's all right. All right. Let's go to the second one. Like I said, I think I think Miami is a little big for Marjan. I don't think in the future it's going to be a problem for him. Um, I think it's just a little bit of like a, almost like a deer in the headlights situation. Um, yeah. So, you know, it is it is what it is. Um, Miami's a tough, grizzled team with a good, long time. NBA coach. So what stood out to you from the second Miami game? So almost a little bit, a little bit of the same. Uh, the thing that I wish they would be better at without Giannis is rebounding because, yeah. you know, as we talk about Brooke is a really, really good box up player, which he is absolutely nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. But when Giannis is out, I need Brooke to go give me 10 rebounds. And I, and I need Bobby to go get me 10 rebounds. The physicality aspect of our game, it's almost lost when Giannis isn't in there. And that is a that is a big deal, you know, because I actually saw somebody. This is crazy. I saw somebody. I forgot what platform I was on. Might have been Instagram. Actually, but um, they said this Bucks team is good enough to win without Giannis. With a, with a health, they said with a healthy Middleton, this Bucks team is good enough to win a title. And I said, I think they're healthy enough to win games and maybe series. I don't know that I'd go as far as the title. They're not winning the title without Giannis. Like, let's let's just cut the crap. <laughs> and I love Middleton. You know, I've I've grown a love for Middleton. Crazy how far I've come. And I obviously love Drew Holiday and I love Brooke and Bobby. And this team is really, really good. But it takes an entire team to win a championship. We just yeah. had this similar conversation with Aaron Rodgers. Giannis is that he's that extra spice that you need. He's that he's that that athletic monster that can do whatever the hell he wants, right? And then you add in every other piece. So I'd say is on that front specifically, I think the Bucks could beat everybody in the East except for Brooklyn and Boston without Giannis. Hmm. Sixers would be tough though, Giannis. I won't lie. I think Sixers, I think because, could because Embiid. Embiid gets so many foul calls. We would, the only reason I say they would be tough. I mean, Cleveland would be tough too. But right, I think we could beat Cleveland without Giannis. But the Sixers so. just having that superstar player, and we wouldn't have our player. That would be that would be tough. And, you know, because you're you're gonna get at least. You know, at this point in his career, James Harden, we hate him, but 
he does control a lot for that team. So mm-hmm. if you get if you get three good games out of James Harden, like where he's scoring and passing, you know, at this point in his career, they're probably winning those games. So then at that point, you're behind the eight ball. I can see the Bucks winning. You may seven. win one of them. I guess. I mean, I w- I won't disagree with you, but it, they would be really tough. Not that but I don't want to see it happen. When like when right, we're not being in Brooklyn or Boston. Right. When you're talking about doing things with Giannis, the other thing that I noticed was that the Bucks still need to emphasize getting to the rim when Giannis is not playing, and especially when jumpers aren't falling. Yeah. And this is one of those aspects where I think the Bucks need Grayson Allen. He's a guy when Giannis isn't on the floor, like Grayson Allen is a guy that usually wants to drive to the basket first, unless he's wide open. If he's anything That's less than wide open, he's pump faking and driving to the hoop. And the thing that people don't realize about that kind of stuff is when you get into the teeth of the defense and you break them down, you know, from where they're strongest inside and you make a guy rotate, then you get somebody open and that's where the ball movement starts, right? And that's that's your point about Grayson Allen getting into the teeth of the defense and yep. kind of breaking everything down and, and restarting a play you could say if nothing's happening, we're just swinging the ball and pump faking. And, you know, when he gets in there and he actually like makes two people, you know, guard him, that's what driving the ball does. And I just talked about how the Badgers could use a guy like that to make, make some easier shots for a a Crowell or a Tyler wall. You know, when, when Grayson Allen does that, he gets easy shot attempts for, for Brooke and Bobby or on the three point line for Pat. Right. You know, there's, there's plenty of things, plenty of good things that come out of it, but yeah, I mean, this game overall, um, just we're not physical. We got out physical. It showed in the first half. Like you mentioned, rebounding in the first heat game, Bucks were all rebounded twenty nine to seventeen in the first half. Yeah, that's that's fucking bad. As far as the first half goes, I I will give the Bucks credit. They made seventeen field goals. They had fourteen assists on those seventeen field goals. That's so much better ball movement. Only four turnovers to go with those 14 assists. That's a fuck yeah from me. It's pretty good. Only have four turnovers to go with 14 assists. Obviously, they didn't win this game, but here's where we are in a situation where Jake and I do this show from an optimistic and positive standpoint, and we find a positive takeaway. Now, I've thought about this a lot since Jake and I took this stance, and somebody might call something like a positive takeaway a moral victory. Now, here's the difference in my mind in the, the amount of time that I've spent thinking about this and you know reflecting on it is the difference between positive takeaways and moral victories is that a moral victory is in the past. There's nothing changing. That is what it is. A moral victory is like a Heat fan saying, oh, we own you, and the Bucks being like, yeah, we won the title in 2021. That's a moral victory. A positive takeaway in my mind is something that still will help you build for the future. That's where I draw the difference between a positive takeaway and a moral victory. So, yes, the Bucks lost this game, but there are still positive takeaways from this. Yes. So, Grayson Allen and Brooke Lopez played really, really great two-man defense on Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo trying to get, um, trying to get a two-man game going. They forced two misses in a row out of Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo trying to run a two-man game. So I wanted to give Grayson and Brooke credit for that. Um, Brooke and Pat threes got the Bucks within one. 
Miami just kept pushing the, the lead back out. Miami started playing a lot of zone defense in this game. Keep that, keep a pin in zone defense because I'm going to come back to it at least two more times. Yeah. Um, Bucks cooled off from three. Miami pushed their lead back up. Miami went on a 13 to nothing run, and the Bucks just ran out of makes, except for a couple by AJ Green. Total in this game, they got all rebounded 51 to 32. As far as positive takeaways go, only 10 turnovers. That's fantastic. I will yep. take that. Every single game, because they'd probably be first in the league in that. They did that. Um, Pat Connaughton had 14 points. He made 40% of his threes, also had eight rebounds. Um, you mentioned Bobby Portis being in double figures. He also had three steals, so I want to give him credit for that. Um, Brooke Lopez had two blocks. Bucks missed four free throws, gave up 14 points off turnovers. That's really like the very high of that threshold that I like to see the Bucks at. And 17 second chance points. That's 35 fundamental failure points. Um, the Bucks made 19 threes and 15 twos in this game. Yikes! Yeah, just gotta be gotta be more efficient. And when the shots aren't falling, like go get to the rim, get to the free throw line. All right. So I'm gonna write down the assistant turnovers, and I want to see the disparity this week because it was fin- they were really good this week. Oh, I'm going really to add that to my list of stats that I was taking last night. All right. Let's talk about some wins. Let's talk about first the fact that, like, the Bucks played a 130 game on a Monday. That feels so weird. Fucking it felt super weird. Like, I'm, it's the middle of the afternoon on a weekday, and I'm watching a Bucks game. Like, I get that some people had off. Like, Courtney works at a school, and, like, the girls were didn't have school, so, like, they were yeah. all home. But, like, I yep. had to work on Monday. So, so I come I, home and I'm watching a Bucks game. It's like, all right, now what am I going to do with the rest of my evening? This feels weird. I know. I, I kind of hated it, dude, because I was like, I like going. If I to... had off, it would have been awesome. Right. Like, it would have been right. like March Madness vibes where like you're just watching basketball the whole day, but whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I didn't like it because I, I like planning my day around it. Like, okay, we're right? going to eat dinner at this time because then I'm going to watch the Bucks later and you're not bothering me when the Bucks turn on. <laughs> <laughs> so I mentioned it twice in a row to set the precedent. Um, Budenholzer gave Marjan Bochamp this game off. I don't think that's a bad idea considering the, the two rough games against Miami. I think you give him just a, you give him a game off, let him catch his breath. Um, and then he did get assigned to the herd yesterday. So I'm wondering if they're just kind of reconditioning him a little bit, um, or if they gave him like a bunch of things to work on maybe. Um, from those Miami games, you know, they found out some of the things like, Hey, you know, this is something to work on defensively. You know, here's how the floor spacing is like, whatever it may be. I'm not saying those things are specifically things that I've noticed, but you know, though they could have sent him to the herd and said, work on this, this, and this, and we'll call you back up on Friday before we go play in Cleveland on Saturday. To be honest with you, man. And I don't pay attention to other teams and their transactions with the G league, but the Bucks use the G League like really, really fucking smart, dude. Like yeah. using it, using it to get their their injured like like Middleton and Ingles. Like we've talked about that yep. before. Um, they've done it with other players in the past. But then you know with the young guys, like okay, we want you to be up here to see what NBA life is like. Yep. But like like you said, you know if they're giving them a checklist, like hey, go run this in in live action, right? And work on this, this, and this. Like that is fucking beautiful, dude. Like yep. that. That, that's the way it should be, honestly. I agree. Oh. And they do it. They did it with um, 
Like they send Mamu and AJ Green. Obviously, those are two-way players, so that's what they're made yep. to do. But they send them back and forth a lot too. I'm really hoping um, we're going to a herd game um, for Lily's birthday in the beginning of February, mm-hmm. and I'm really hoping that Mamu and AJ Green are there so I get to watch them. Oh, that would be sick, dude! I'm excited. Like I hope like we get to go like down on the court, um, yep. like before the game because we're doing it through the school. Yep. Like I'm hoping I get the chance to meet like Lindell Wigington would be a really cool one to. To like get in touch with, but I'm hoping that Mamu and, and AJ Green are there too, and I get to see them. Hand out those cards, buddy. I know, right? So, Bucks Pacers. <clears throat> Bucks got off to a really fast paced start. Actually, both teams did. And like I said, Grayson's ability to drive, it's super underrated and underappreciated, I will say as well. And I love watching the Bucks when they're moving the ball well. Oh my God, it's so beautiful to watch when the Bucks are moving the ball well. Yep. Especially when they're doing it with purpose and not turning the ball over. Oh, the driving kick action. I fucking love it. It makes me so happy because it's good basketball. Yep. Um, when it comes to the end of quarters, like you gotta be better disciplined. Giving up a three, a steal, and another three right at the end of the first quarter was sloppy. Um, I will say we get to a point where the Bucks were able to get some stops in the second half. They just, just another situation where they could get stops, but not scores and then vice versa. They just couldn't sustain a run. It felt like in the second half, um, this is, this is the game that made me feel like Jordan Wara was a black hole on offense. Um, the only assist that he got was because he was trying to do a reverse layup. And he almost got blocked, so he kind of just like let go of it to Drew Holiday, who made a layup out of it. Which you know it worked out for the Bucks, but um, the Bucks the second half of the third quarter and in the fourth quarter owned Indiana, absolutely owned them. Um, as the third quarter went on, the ball movement improved, and surprise, surprise, the Bucks made a big comeback. They got Crazy. the lead back with 10 minutes to go in the game. Miami, or not Miami, Indiana went in a 4 nothing run, got the lead back. And then Milwaukee went in a 4 game or 4 nothing run and got the lead back again. Grayson Allen hit two big threes, both of them giving the Bucks one-point leads. And then it was the Drew Holiday show. Drew was absolutely cooking in the fourth quarter. He had 11 of his 35 in the fourth quarter. Um, Bucks went up nine. George Hill misses a corner three. There are three Indiana Pacers in the lane. Grayson Allen comes flying in and tips the ball to George Hill, who hits a floater. That's a winning basketball play. I'm really getting close to a point where I want to say I don't want to trade Grayson Allen. I'm getting there, and it's... It's kind of a roller coaster ride because he'll have a couple bad games, then he'll have a couple really good games, then he'll have some really good games, like yesterday. Yeah. And I'm at the point where I would rather try to trade Jordan Wara and one or two second rounders for Cam Reddish than I would wanting to trade Grayson Allen and George Hill for Jay Crowder. That's really where I'm at. Um, and we'll see. We have, let's see. February 9th is the trade deadline, so we have about three weeks left until the trade deadline. 
I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to see a move in the near future. I think it's going to be in probably that first week of February if the Bucks make a move. Um, this was Drew Holiday's third straight double-double. Um, the Bucks late third quarter and most of the fourth quarter went really switch heavy. Um, and that kind of became like the catalyst for the comeback. Um, Indiana didn't get as many open looks from the three-point line. And that's kind of really just what led to the comeback. Um, I'll wait to bring up totals and stuff, but um, what stood out to you from this game? Oh, well, <clears throat> I didn't get to watch the first half because I was at work. I but, missed the first quarter. Um, I rewatched it, but I I, I, I got to watch uh, most of the second half, and uh, what I saw was just, like you said, Drew Holiday was just cooking. Um, he was in total control of everything that was happening around him. I mean, obviously 35 and 11, the guy's in pretty good control of that game, right? That guy has his handprint all over this game. Um, Also, I want to give a shout out to Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis, I talked about the Bucs being out physical in Miami. Bobby Portis brought his big boy pants to this game, 21 and 11. That's what I expect out of Bobby Portis. And that's not a knock on him at all. That's just the respect I have for him. I expect Bobby Portis to be good. And you know what? Recognizing capability is how I heard it. I would, and that's, and I hope that's how he would hear it too, you know, because I, you know, he's one of my favorite players. He's one of everybody, every Bucks fan's favorite players, right? But that's what we expect out of him make mm-hmm. big time shots, get big time rebounds, score big time buckets. Uh, Brooke Lopez with 19 as well. Um, yeah, man, Grayson Allen, dude, that tip out that he had was with the left hand, and McConnell was in front of him, and Miles Turner, who was dominating this game, by the way, was yeah, right I behind him. So that's a, that's a big dude coming in, and and Grayson Allen is one that gets his hand on it with a left hand, like you said. Also, shout out to George Hill for following a shot. First of all, uh, that that doesn't happen very often anymore. Uh, people don't really teach it. They kind of teach you to get back on defense because of transition and stuff like yeah. that. But um, good call. I was going to say about this game that George Hill could have been an underrated performer for this game. Went nine and Two, six, three. a quiet nine and six, Two, but. But six assists, dude, that's phenomenal off the bench. That means you're getting yep. everybody moving. Yep. Ball, the ball, everybody's touching it, everybody's shooting it. But um, <laughs> the funniest thing that I remember about this game is you said this is the game that you recognize Nawara as a black hole. <laughs> the first play I saw was Nawara catching the ball and cashing a three. And then literally eight seconds after that, you're like, God, Nawara is such a black hole. And I'm like, he made the shot. But then you explained it, and I was like, that makes sense. I agree with you. Of the but, first three shots that he took were like, like, damn, dude, swing the ball. <laughs> it's just funny to me that the first thing I see is him cashing, and you're like, God, he's such a black hole. And I'm just like, what did, what did I miss? I go check the box. You missed score, all the like, misses. That's what you missed. I'm like, he, he, didn't, he didn't take that many shots. I don't know what's going on here. But I, I get your point now that whenever the ball touches hands, he fe- – he almost has like an urgency to like, well, I don't know who to pass to or I don't know how to dribble, so I'm just going to shoot it. Or or it's like he can dribble a little bit. And like I do like his floater game. Like he's got floater game. He does. But I feel like he's to a point where he's almost like I got to prove myself, so I need to shoot because I need to score because I need to prove that I belong on the floor. Bro, this isn't a goddamn 2K career. Right? Go grab some damn rebounds. Yeah. And you know what? I promise you that if you if you pass the ball and become a playmaker and set people up for easy easy buckets, 
or you you're the one that makes the pass to the pass, I guarantee there's a coach on the bench that's gonna notice that. Absolutely. I promise you. Absolutely. Promise you. So I mean, Nawara, I mean, he's got game. He's got yeah. ability. The thing that he doesn't have the ability on is defense yet. He just he's right there, dude, hold, most of the time. Hold that thought to the to the Toronto game. Okay. Okay. Um, last couple things with this one. Bucks in the second half, 25 of 41 on field goals, 61%. In the fourth quarter, they were 14 of 18 from the field. 78%. Imagine being up by five in the fourth quarter, and then your opponent misses four shots total in the last 12 minutes of the game. And the only that's, four shots they missed were threes. That's tough. And that's tough. even tougher, <laughs> Drew Holiday, the only shot that he missed in the fourth quarter was the three that he took from yep. eight feet behind the three-point line to avoid a shot clock violation. I remember that. I was, the, I, you know, when he shot that, I was like, eh, I don't know if you should have shot that. That was kind of a Brandon Reister moment. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody Brandon else in the universe it. understands that reference. <laughs> don't care. <laughs> Um, Bucks had five guys in double figures. Drew Holiday, Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, Grayson Allen, and Jordan Wara. Pat Connaughton at eight points and eight rebounds. That's underrated performer stat line if I've ever seen one. Fundamental failures. They gave up 16 points off turnovers, which is a lot, and this is going to tie into one of the things that I want the Bucks to improve. But only two missed free throws. The Bucks did not give up a single second chance point to Miami or to Indiana. Zero second chance points to the Pacers in this game. 18 fundamental failure points. That's it. Wow. That's the lowest total I can remember since I started tracking this. Man. 18 fundamental failure points. That is mm. Also, that, that was beautiful. posted on the page. The zero second chance points was posted yes. on the page if you didn't see that. So, yeah, um, that's impressive. I won't that, lie. That's very that impressive. made me very happy. Zero second chance points. Oh, man, that made me feel good. Here we go. I'm, right. ready to, I'm ready to hear you rant about Fred Van Vliet. Uh, bro, fuck that guy and his lucky bounces. Dude. Like, he got – he got to the paint some, which is fine and well. Like, good for you. You're driving. You're making tough layups. But he hits a fucking three-pointer that hits six different parts of the rim and then bounces in. It's like, damn it, I wish I got that bounce when I played basketball. Man. Like, I never get that bounce. That ball's going to hit six different parts of the rim and, like, roll off the back and then roll off to the side and not go in. But it goes in for Fred Van Vliet. Fuck that guy. Dude. Was it the third quarter when he made he almost made that moonshot one from like kind of that was right after that was like the the next possession it was like Bro. at the end of the shot clock and he throws one up like Jeremy Lamb on that three pointer that he made from like behind half court yeah yeah or like he throws it up with six seconds left on the clock the buzzer goes off and then the ball comes down and goes in that's what that was like except Bro, he that... like hit the front of the rim and clanged off and then I don't know if he made a shot after that. Which good riddance, but he he made a couple after that. I remember he made one from the left wing. I don't care. I wasn't paying attention to him. Um, I bro, he shot that, and I was like, I if swear that goes in, like I'm driving to I, his house and kicking him in the shin. I'm gonna be so done with. But you know, Cody was actually talking about it in the chat yesterday. He's rumored to get traded to Orlando in one other spot. So God, good, him, 
Go to Rockies. Orlando, please. Yeah, so we never have to hear we'll from you We'll be on again. a terrible team where you can score 35 a night and win 35 games if you're lucky in the next three years. <laughs> Let's talk about the rest of this game. I wanted you to get that Van Vliet stuff off early. He so we don't fucking annoys me. <laughs> he kills us. I hate that guy. What I will say is despite him like scoring a lot, Using that as a reason to try to bring down Drew Holiday when there are places where you can go online and find out how much time a guy spent guarding another guy, you can literally see how many points were scored on them in head-to-head matchups, why people don't do that, and then choose to just make up stats. Like the, the person that I'm referencing said that Drew Holiday guarded McConnell and Gabe Vincent 75% 75% of the time. I went and looked it up. I'm like, dude, he guarded Vincent like 40% of the time, and he guarded McConnell for about three and a half minutes on Monday's game and gave up five points out of his 27 that he scored. It's like you heard of Google, and you can find the matchups and see who guarded who and how many points they scored, how many points their team scored, what their percentages were, all that. Mm-hmm. It's out there on the internet. Well, now his dumb comments are out there on the internet. So, touche. That right. That's valid. All right. <laughs> so let's get into this game. I'm gonna leave Grayson Allen for you. Not touching that. Although he was fucking hooping. Um, Bro, another guy. Another guy that was hooping. Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez. Before he got tossed, I don't know if you want to reference the situation that happened or his comments after the game. We can get into that if you would like to. Wait, let's do it at the end. Um, Bobby Portis, 12 and 12. So back-to-back double doubles for the double, double King, uh, 15 points for Ingles off the bench and good God. Am I so freaking excited for when Middleton and Giannis are back with Ingles. I love that Ingles. I mean, he's not super fast either way. Right. But he just has this ability to control the pace and he's not athletic. He, you know, and he's talked about this, but Uh, he didn't foul out, by the way. He got yeah. He got James, a double yeah tech. I was gonna say James. He didn't foul out. He got kicked out. Yeah, he got a double tech. We'll, uh, yeah, for, we'll cover it for a little scrum to happen. But um, Joe Ingles, dude, his ability to just you know play with the ball, uh, get into the paint, shoot the three. He's starting to get the three pointer going now. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, he made a rainbow three yesterday, and I was like, whoo, baby, it's on. <laughs> um, but and then his ability to just pass the ball, dude, is like something that people do not talk about enough with Joe Ingles. Yeah. They always talk about his ability to score and to shoot. They always talk about him as a shooter. Yeah. He is such a great playmaker. Dude. When he's he's showing us last night's game showed us all the things that when we signed him, it's like, damn, he's a good fit for the Bucks. Yeah, dude, hundred percent. And real basketball people talked about this. And yes. I'm referring to Richard Jefferson, and he talked about this, and he said, I love the move of Ingles on the Bucks because when they're fully healthy, that's going to be the move that, you know, puts us a level above because of his ability to play make, defense, yep. and shoot and score. I mean, he he's driving past these, these kids that are way more athletic than him, and mm-hmm. he just has the ability to keep them right here and finish that's, right here. You do not Ingles. allow him to get to the left, man. Ingles. I mean – 
we get Just to a ridiculous. scenario where we're talking about Joe Ingles, this is he's part of the reason why I think the Bucks could beat a 76ers in a seven game series without Giannis. Because, and I think you need Giannis for Ingles to be in this situation, but you put Joe Ingles against second unit defenders, like, bro, he's picking you apart. That's fair. All right, go ahead. Um, no, I mean, that's really all I had. I wanted to give a shout out to Joe Ingles because, man, oh, man, that at the end of the season, and people are complaining about Giannis missing his fourth straight game. It's four games. Have you never watched the NBA in your entire fucking life? Like, did they forget that uh, Kawhi Leonard literally just missed like 90% of the games the last couple of years? He's missed as much time as Packer fans act like David Bakhtiari has missed. For real, bro. For <laughs> real. <laughs> I mean, dude, yeah, like you said, it's only four games. And every, th- every time I saw somebody complain about it, I would just comment. We are. I would say the same exact comment. We're going to be thankful for this rest in June. We're going to be thankful yeah. for this rest in June. We are going to be thankful for this rest in June. Okay. Get that through your fucking skulls. I'm with now that. I'm going to let you go. All right. So I didn't mention this in the Indiana game, but the Pacers at times played some zone defense. Toronto in this game at times played some zone defense. Didn't work as well for Toronto. Uh, the Bucks' ball movement in the first quarter was so damn good. The Bucks were eight for ten on threes in the first quarter. First quarter, forty-four points is the highest scoring quarter the Bucks have had this season. I texted you this, and I know you'll love it. And Bill, if you're still watching, one of the reasons you're here for. After the first quarter, the Bucks had a 69% chance win probability. <laughs> you did text that to me. You did text that to me. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I, I pulled it up. I saw it. And I'm like, yep, that's going in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, second quarter is a different story. Uh, the Bucks kind of lost track of their fundamentals. They're missing free throws. They weren't boxing out, turning the ball over. Yeah. Um. Toronto got hot in that second quarter, and they outscored Milwaukee 40-23. to 23. Um, Drew Holiday was keeping them afloat. Drew Holiday had 24 points in the first half. It was 10 of 13 from the field and 4 of 5 from behind the three-point line. Second half uh, turned into basically a Grayson Allen masterclass, especially the third quarter. Um, Grayson Allen had 8 of the Bucks' first 15 points in the third quarter. The Bucks went on a 15-6 to six run to start the third quarter. Um, I want to give Drew Holiday credit for playing this most of the second half with four fouls. Drew Holiday got his fourth foul at 641 to go in the third quarter. Budenholzer left him in the game with four fouls with 18 minutes to go. Um, Right after that, Brooke Lopez got super hot, made three straight threes. Then there was the play where Drew Holiday was getting back on defense, got a tip, Threw the ball off of Van Vliet's knee. Pat Connaughton catches it, gives it to Grayson. Grayson runs up, cashes a three. uh, Scored 14 points. uh, Actually, ended up scoring 16 points in the third quarter. Um, Up until a minute and 16 seconds left in the third quarter, Brooke, Grayson, and Drew Holiday scored all of the Bucks points in the third quarter until Jordan Wara made a free throw. They were carrying... That was crazy. So the Bucks then won the third quarter, thirty-eight to twenty-three. 
and it was just game on after that. Um, Bucks, they just need to finish plays. They had a lot of fouls in the second half, and this is where I bring up um, Jordan Wara. He had some pretty good initial defense at times. He was able to get in front of Pascal Siakam, which is not an easy task. But the second effort of Pascal Siakam when he tried to make another move, that's when Jordan Wara got some fouls. So it's it's good initial defense, which is a step in the right direction for Nwara. And I think this is just how I feel. I think it's something that potentially boosts his trade value. I don't think it's something that's going to earn him more time with the Bucks. With this being Jordan Wara's third season, I think the Bucks are as far as they're going to go with Jordan Wara. And I think at this point, he's just whatever the Bucks can either add him to or get for him in a trade. Um, I will say the Bucks. this stood out to me, and this is going to be something I bring up again, but the Bucks need to get back in transition. They just need to finish plays on both ends of the floor. So yep. they gave up some second chance points after some missed free throws. Um, just getting back in transition. There was a, game, a play in the Indiana game where Miles Turner broke off of a made basket and got a transition layup on the other side of the floor. Yeah. Like that stuff, that's just getting back on defense. That's such a correctable thing. I agree. So after that, um, Drew Drew Holiday was near flawless this past week. Mm-hmm. I say near flawless because we got into a point where the game was getting kind of close, and Drew Holiday went into a little bit of ISO heavy basketball. Mm-hmm. which I'm like I'm fine with at times because Drew Holiday can create his own shot. He's got the nastiest step back in the game. I don't give a shit what you say. Drew Holiday's step back is absolutely disgusting. Yeah, but is. when you're up by two with, you know, four, five, six minutes to go in the game, like keep the ball moving. You know, when we're talking about a minute left and you're up four. Like if you're going to be that guy, like go get that bucket. But, you know, when there's minutes left in the game. Like keep the ball moving, keep everybody involved. Um, And like I said, just keep the ball moving. Um, Then I want to bring up Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen. Both together were running great driving kick action. And um, Grayson Allen got a three out of it. Um, Drew Holiday. I don't remember who the player was. But Drew Holiday gets an ankle breaker. Gets the step back. The three goes halfway down and pops out. And, like, I know I did this where I just, like, threw my head back, and I'm like, oh, if he would have made that, that would have been nasty. Drew Holiday is already back on defense blocking Fred Van Vliet trying to shoot another layup. That's that's big boy maturity right there. That's winning. Have a shot that. after you broke a dude's ankles, have a shot go halfway down and come out, and instead of being like, damn, like, Drew's already back on defense and blocking a shot. That was a huge momentum thing for me. Um, and, like I said, Drew Holiday set a new season high twice. 37 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds, only 2 turnovers. Thank you, Drew, for cleaning up your turnovers. That's such yes. a big deal. And it's it makes a big difference in the games. Um, the Bucks were 19 of 39 from the three-point line, 19 for 21 from the free-throw line. Only turned the ball over 11 times. <sighs> Anything under 12, and I'm super happy. I agree with that. Under 13, I'm satisfied. But under 12, I'm very happy. 
Grayson Allen tied his season high with 25 points. He was 8 of 13 from the field, 4 of 5 from the three-point line, made all five of his free throws. Um, all the starters were in double figures. Bobby Portis had 12 and 12. Pat Connaughton had 10 points and eight rebounds, his third straight A rebound game. And you mm-hmm. brought up Joe Ingles' 15 points. I also want to throw out Joe Ingles had eight assists yep. and six rebounds yep. and zero turnovers. Hey, he's he was balling. Now, now last guy out of the starting go. lineup is Brooke Lopez. Had 19 points. He did have two blocks. I don't understand how he gets two separate technicals. Like in my mind, that's all one situation. And Drew or not Drew, Brooke Lopez should have gotten one technical for the whole situation. The fact that they give him like one technical for the throwing of the headband, like that's soft as hell. And the fact that if Brooke got a technical for that, but Gary Trent doesn't get one for literally having his arms around Brooke Lopez's back linked together, like where do you expect Brooke to go? Right, dude. For Gary and, Trent to not get anything for that situation. Not even a common foul. Not even a loose ball foul. Nothing. That's that annoyed me more than anything else. Yeah, I agree. And I was and I was like man crushing over Gary Trent yesterday because I was like, oh man, he'd be really good on the Bucks in the two spot. You know, guy that's young can get to the rim and finish with a dunk, either hand, shoot a three. But and then uh then that situation happened and I was like, eh. Maybe you should stay in Toronto. Yeah. I don't really, I don't really like the Raptors. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we move on from this game, I don't want us to forget the sick dunk by Bobby Portis. Yeah. That was a momentum grabber for sure. It was. And, oh, God. Oh, God damn it. I forgot to mention this in the Pacers game. Damn it. There was a jump ball with Bobby. I forgot who, who else it was. But Bobby just kept talking to him, like, I'm not letting go of this ball. I'm not letting go of this ball. And he kept telling him, like, kept telling him. And the ref was in there, too. He's like, I'm not letting go of the ball. And finally, everybody but Bobby lets go of the ball. And I'm like, that's why I love that guy. That's why I love that guy. That's my goddamn ball, and I'm not letting go of my ball. I love Bobby Portis, dude. He, he's the best. Everybody dude. loves Bobby. Dude. Bobby's awesome. He's the best, dude. All right. Is there – Anything that you think the Bucks can improve on? Like, I have two things written down, but is there anything specific that's set out to you for improvements? Basing it off these last five games, I would say just continue to play within the offense. I think that would be something um, that I would I would I would talk about. Okay. Um, for me, the two things that really stood out were um, the transition defense, like I mentioned. I will give credit to Indiana. They are the number one transition um, scoring team in the NBA. So I'll give I'll give Indiana credit where it's due there. Um, the other thing to me is it's less fouling. Um, I think this is something that Jordan Wara can work on, Drew Holiday. Brooke Lopez gets some really shitty whistles. Like he literally just gets whistles sometimes for being big. Um, the one foul that he got, I think it was on Gary Trent was like Gary Trent, like swung his elbow into Brooks shoulders and Brooks still got the foul call. And I think his frustrations with those types of whistles is what boiled over into the technical follow situation. Um, this is also something I've brought up with Marjan Bochamp is defending with your feet, not with your hands. So I yeah. think that's potentially something that Jordan or not Jordan, uh, Marjan Bochamp could be working on. Uh, while he's assigned to the herd for the next few days. 
Um, other than that, I have to give the Bucks credit because I've harped on it for so long. The Bucks in these last five games did such a good job of taking care of the ball. That's seriously such a big thing that is fixable and can make a huge impact on the game. That's why it's one of the fundamental failures is taking care of the ball and not turning the ball over. That's why I bring up points off turnovers. Mm-hmm. So giving the Bucks credit for that was important. Um, but yeah, transition defense and less following are the two main things for improvements. The Bucks only have two games between now and next Wednesday. Yep. They go two back-to-backs in the last week, and now they only have two games total between now and next Wednesday. They have Saturday in Cleveland, and Chris Middleton and Giannis are expected back on Saturday, both of them. The big three will be complete again. Um, the Bucks are optimistic that both will be available for Saturday in Cleveland, and then they play Monday in Detroit. I'm going to say 2-0 and based on both of those guys being back and the Bucks role players all really starting to click. I mean, we brought up Javon Carter as your underrated performer. Pat Connaughton was my underrated performer. Grayson Allen was in my stars of the game. Um, Joe Ingles could have been in any parts of these sections. Yep. And we're even getting a little bit of contributions from Jordan Mora and A.J. Green. It's The Bucks are really coming together despite only a 3-2 and two week. I think it's a situation where we felt like uh, with Packers season after the Bills game, where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, the you know the 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 Packers lost that game, but like there's things to be optimistic coming out of that. I feel that that's where we're at with the Bucks. Like the Bucks just went through a tough part in the schedule. They were three and two in the last week, and like I feel now we're we're getting to a point where we're like, all right, we got it figured out. Let's go win a bunch of basketball games. So I have the Bucks two and zero in the next week. What do you think about those two games? Um, I also have them two and zero. I think. Uh... Losing to Cleveland the last game, uh, the Bucks are going to want to come out and right that wrong. Um, and then, you know, the Pistons are the Pistons. I mean, I'm not going to, like, talk shit or anything, but, I mean, they're still they're no just a young team. Him. They're young. So, um, I know I, yeah. Uh, Tim, send me a DM. I got something for you, buddy, before you get out of here. It's, uh, if you ever listen to Lonely Island, you'll know what it is. <laughs> you're, you're such a motherfucker. Uh, whatever. You love me. You know you do. <laughs> oh god. All right. Do you have anything else? I mean, we're only gonna have three games to talk about next week. We're gonna get some more badgers on the show next Wednesday. Yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over my stats, and I might add this to my notes every week because I kind of enjoyed it. But uh, I took down the field goals, the three pointers. The free throws, I did assists and turnovers while we were doing this, but I did I added all the totals. I did the averages. So for field goals, we shot 208 out of 446. That's 46%. Um, they shot 101 of 238 on threes. That's 42%. Give me that. They shot 56 of 74 from the free throw line. That's 76%. And, that, and Giannis didn't play in four of those games, so people can't just be blaming Giannis anymore. 76% is okay, I guess. That's all right. I mean, but with Giannis um, not playing, I'd expect it to be closer to 80, but I'd agree. So if you took the 101 out of the two 208, 49% of our field goals came from the fucking three-point line. I believe that. I that said it. Nuts. The Bucks gotta prioritize driving to the rim when Giannis isn't playing. That's why I we agree. need Grace in the lineup. So then I took the assist down. So we had 130 assists in five games. That's pretty good number um that is an average yeah. of 26 per game 26, yeah I like and that. 
we had 57 uh, turnovers, which is 11.4. So 26 turnovers, I mean, you're doubling it at that point. You're 2-1. Yes. to one. Uh, You're a little over 2-1. to one. So, I mean, yes. you have that with three-point shooting. If they shoot a little bit better from the field, which they will with Giannis because Giannis doesn't miss inside. And then the free throw line, if we up that a little bit, which will get better because Chris Middleton is a very good fucking free throw shooter. Yeah. You add all those things together, we're right where we want them. Time to go win some basketball games. Let's go. Time to rip off like an 11-game winning streak would be fucking awesome. That would be that would be sick, bro. And Drew Holiday is an all-star, by the way, before we uh, Dude, close this up. he definitely should be. <laughs> all right. Anything else? No, sir. Bucks and six. All right, man. I will see you again on next Wednesday then. No Friday show this week. We're going to have a couple Fridays off now that Packer season's over just to kind of recharge. And like we said on uh, last Friday's show, let the let the emotions of the moment pass a little bit and, and kind of get, get our feet under us a little bit again now that Packer season's over. But uh, Jake and I will be back next Wednesday, and I will see you then. All right, man. Take care. All right. See you next week. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.